You are listening to the Midtown Church Podcast, a ministry that exists to make Jesus known. Well, if you have your Bibles this morning, would you uh, open them or turn with me to Ephesians chapter 6? We're going to look at verses 1 to 4 this morning. Um, Norm asked me to take this text, and I think it's because I have eight children. Um, I'm guessing. Um, I have eight children. I have a 34-year-old son. The guy that was up here uh, in the blonde hair playing the bass guitar is my son. And the guy that was leading over here is my son, 32. I have a daughter who's 29 and married. They're all married, and I have four grandchildren. I have a 19-year-old and a 16-year-old son and daughter, and then I have a 10 and an 8 and a 3-year-old. Um, and we categorize, uh, uh, we categorize these children as the bigs, the middles, and the littles because we have, they're all a, a good-sized chunk, a good gap in between them. I have also had to give four back um, because we foster, and that is always in a, leaves a significant ache in your soul when you have to give them back. Um, I've often felt in my weaker moments, more struggling moments, that I keep getting a new set of kids, a new group of children in my life because the Lord and his kindness is always at work in me to conform me to his image. And I don't know if there's a better way than being conformed to his image than having children. Um, and so they, uh, they, God uses them in my life. Parenting has got to be one of the hardest jobs. If you're a parent out there, could you beep your horn or no, I'm just kidding. Could, could you say amen to that? Is, is parenting not a difficult job? It's the hardest job. I, I'm convinced there's no job harder than parenting. Now, I'm not preaching this text this morning because I'm an expert parent or one who has mastered certain techniques that's made me a successful dad or parent. I'm on a journey when it comes to parenting and I am broken. Uh, I think it's safe to assume that in this parking lot, all of us that are gathered here, we're all broken. We're broken. My sin against others and others' sin against me has taken its toll. And, and, and at my age, I live more aware today than ever of my sinful, broken state and my need for Jesus. I've often told my kids that the, one of the main reasons I'm in their life is to model what it looks like to blow it and then experience deep Holy Spirit conviction. And aren't you glad for the conviction of the Holy Spirit? Um, and, and to receive that conviction and then by his grace, uh, able to humble myself and then look uh, my child in the eye and be specific in my repentance towards them. Something that we implemented many years ago when the gospel became so real to me was understanding that we, we wanted in our home to not say I'm sorry for something, but we wanted to use the words of forgiveness. We wanted to say, hey buddy, would you forgive me? 
and then be specific in the things that I was asking them to forgive me. Because when you say, I'm sorry, it doesn't need a response. But when you say, would you forgive me? It's a question and it needs a response. And so we, ta we taught our kids early on that when we would say, hey, would you forgive me for this and this and this, we, we, it was a great gospel moment. And we were able to say, the, the children were able to say back to us, of course I forgive you, dad. How could I not forgive you in light of the gospel, in light of Jesus' forgiveness in my life? And so um, I'm convinced that as Paul writes in 1 Timothy 1, 15 and 16, that Christ Jesus came in the world to save sinners. And then he says, and I am the worst. He didn't say I was the worst. He said, I am the worst. And it would be debatable if Paul the apostle was here this morning, we might pick a fight of who was the worst. But he said, I receive mercy for this reason so that in me the worst of them Christ Jesus might demonstrate his ordinary patience as an example to those who would believe in him for eternal life. And so this morning I preached this text knowing and living in the good of this truth that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. And although I am the worst, I've been on the receiving end of God's extraordinary patience. All I've known is God's mercy, God's grace, God's kindness, God's steadfast love following me all the days of my life. So I, as I preach this text as well this morning, I'm aware that, that, um, that sin and brokenness abounds in our world. That, that all... Uh, that this world is not as it was meant to be. It's, the, the world is not as God originally intended. Everything in the world is tainted by sin. And, and some of you here this morning or maybe listening in, uh, maybe you've been impacted by the sin of a parent or parents. And a sermon like this can be difficult to hear. There's so much abuse. There's so much pain and suffering in our world. I, I want you to know that the Father is grieved over that and yet the father loves you that your heavenly father loves you this morning and he's coming again and he's going to make all things new isn't that great what great news this morning can we turn with our in our bibles ephesians 4 and we're going to look at that text together first four verses of chapter 6 children Obey your parents and the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise, that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and the instruction of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Let's pray. Father, I pray uh, this morning that you would uh, speak to us, that you would open our hearts and our minds to hear your word. Uh, I ask that you would meet us in Jesus' name. Amen. And the rain is coming. <laughs> a word to the children. I have two, two points this morning, a word to the children and a word to the parents. Now, uh, there, there may be uh, not a lot of children maybe listening in this morning, but maybe you want to 
you want to go home and sit them down and say, hey, can we listen to this from, from Pat? Because uh, I think it'd be good for you to hear this. I've been trying to tell you this for years. No, don't do that. <laughs> uh, that's not, not good parenting. Um, but, but I'm going to give you a word to the children if you're here, if you're listening. Um, and that word is, is directly in the text. Children, obey your parents. Obey your parents. Well, first off, children. I, th- I think it's safe to say that as long as you're living under the roof of your parents, you should seek to obey and honor them in all things. I think, I think the text doesn't, Paul doesn't get specific on who are the children or what is specific age. But I would say if you're living under the roof of your parents, then, then you should seek to obey and honor them in all things. And honoring them continues long after you transition out of the home. It's amazing what a child takes for granted, isn't it? I mean, and, and one of the things that I think they take for granted mostly is their parents. Um, uh, you know, you think of the things that happen in your, your, your life on a, on a weekly basis. There's, there's a hydro bill, there's a phone bill, um, you know, like this, this several children of mine that ask for, for like unending snacks from like six o'clock in the morning till eight o'clock at night. Like where do they think all those snacks come from? Um, you know, like, could you please shut off the lights? Um, and, and there's just no comprehension of like, who pays for lights? Do, you mean we pay for lights? We were at Sport Check a couple of weeks ago and, and my eight-year-old run up to me and brought me a pair of shoes and said, Dad, can I get these? I like, babe, we can't, can't afford that. And she goes, you got a bank card? Like, you know, if you, if you got one of these and there's a few cards in it, absolutely, you could buy me or get me anything I want, Right? Right. So, so the, the word to the children is obey your parents and obey has to do with, there, there's action involved. The word literally means to hear under, that is to listen with attentiveness and to respond positively what's heard. We, the child is to listen, to hear under, listen with attentiveness and respond positively to what's being heard. The command here is to obedience, obedience in doing what you're told doing what you're told. As a child, you are under the authority of your parents, and this is God's perfect will and plan for your life. You cannot do what you like. Rather, you're called to do what your parents think is best. Now, some of you are going, you're kidding me. That, that's, that's scriptural right there. Uh, a great book, if you haven't read it, I need to read it again because of all, all the batches of children and sometimes I forget, but a great book by Ted Tripp called Shepherding a Child's Heart is one of the finest books. I would recommend that to you. But he talks about that children are to, to obey, I love this, without challenge, without excuse, and without delay. Like, how... Wouldn't that be amazing if you had a child that, that, that never challenged you, that never had an excuse and never delayed in obeying you? You said, Johnny, I need you to take out the garbage. And, the, and he immediately said, yes, dad, yes, mom. And they went and took out the garbage. Often, what do we hear? I'll get to it later. I'll, I'll come back later. I, I, can I just finish? I'm going to finish my game first and then I'll obey, right? But in this 
place of without challenge, without excuse, what, without delay, he talks about there's a circle of blessing. And when we do that, when we obey our parents without challenge, without excuse, without delay, we're, we're standing in this circle of blessing. And when we say, I'll get to it later, or I got other things to do, and we ignore our parents, in a sense, we're stepping out of that circle of blessing every time we do that. <clears throat> now, let me interject here also to parents for a moment. Listen, if you accept anything less than obedience from your child without challenge, excuse, and delay, Listen, this is a hard one, parents, but you're being disobedient to the Lord himself who's called you to train them. So you, 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 don't, you don't say, on the count of five, you better go and do this. We need to sit down, and this is a gospel moment, and say, son or daughter, when I ask you to do that, I need you to respond immediately because that's pleasing to Jesus. Now, am I saying that you should never be able to appeal when you're unsure about something as a child? Absolutely not. You're not a machine. You have ideas, thoughts about certain things in, in which you, you should be able to appeal out of respect to your parents. But though even, even though flawed and sinful, what, what a child needs to understand is God has given his parents, her parents, as a gift from God for their good. Your parents, if you're listening to me this morning, is a gift from God for your good. And I would ask that the children, those who are under the roof of their parents still, do you see your parents as a gift from God for your good and for your blessing in your life? Now listen, this, this scripture starts with obey your parents, but it doesn't stop there. It says obey your parents in the Lord. Now, all of civilization recognizes that the authority of the parent is essential for a healthy society. It seems to, to be a natural law which is, which is written on all human hearts that obeying parents, it, it's, it's the right thing to do. You don't have to be a Christian Children grow up in, in non-Christian homes and, and parents want them to obey them. They want to, to help them. So obeying your parents isn't necessarily a Christian ethic. It's been a standard of behavior down through society. But what kicks it up for the Christian is when we hear obey your parents in the Lord. Now, in the Lord refers to the sphere of, of pleasing the Lord. Now it's not a parent and a, and a child thing. It's a child thing and the Lord. Whoa, that changes everything, doesn't it? Ted Tripp writes, and I think that quote is in your handout, obedience is not simply an issue between the parent and the child. It's an issue between the child and God in which the parent is God's agent in drawing the child back within the circle of blessing. So this is an issue when you're called, Johnny, could you take out the garbage? This is an issue between you and God more than it's an issue between you and your dad. Listen, as a child, you've been created for God. Your duty is to him. He has the right to rule your life. He is your creator. We, we see in the garden in Genesis when, when Adam and Eve chose to, as it were, take the crown off of God's head and place the crown on their heads. And they said, we think we know better than you. We want to do this. And the curse began 
what happens in the heart of a child in that moment when the child says, I know you want me to take out the garbage, but I got other better things to do. In a sense, what we're saying in that moment is we're taking the crown off of God's head and we're saying, I know better than you, God, and I don't need to obey my parents. Rather, I need to do what I want to do. You're to think of your parents as God's stewards, God's proxy authority. You as a child are on loan. Did you know that? You're entrusted to your parents by your heavenly father. And when you live this way, when you live this way, obeying your parents in the Lord, what's happening is that, that you are a city set on a hill. Because see, there's people that obey their parents that don't know Jesus, but there's something about recognizing that, that there's God, there's, there's the Lord Jesus Christ, my Lord Jesus Christ, and ultimately when I submit to my mom and my dad, in that moment I am submitting to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. That is a beautiful picture of the gospel. Now, the only exception to obeying them is, is if they're asking us to do something wrong or contrary to God's word. And then we read, honor your father and mother. This is the first commandment with a promise that it may go well with you and that you may live long in the land. What Paul does here is he combines Exodus 20 verse 12, honor your father and mother so that, it may go, so that you may live long and then Deuteronomy 5.16 that it may go well with you. Listen, obedience is not an action, and action, but it's also an attitude. Obedience is not just about being an action. It's about the attitude behind that obedience. When our obedience is done with the right attitude, we're honoring God. Listen, children, when our obedience is done with the right attitude, we're honoring our parents and we're honoring God. Listen, when, when we respond, you know, I mean, you know, you, your parent might give it to you and say, you do that or else. And then you turn around and you, you're, you respond, you're, you're moody, you're sulky, you're, you're doing it because you have to do it because you know that there's probably going to be a consequence, but that is not the way to do it. L listen, you know, you ever, you ever been that, that child, your mother or father walked around the room, out of the room and you went, I'll bet you never did that, right? I did. I definitely did. She never knew. Or did she? I think she did. We, we, honor, we honor our parents by recognizing their God-given authority because they're God's agent of grace in our lives. And we obey with joy because we love and we respect them. And so... Children listening this morning, dad, mom, this is what, this is what, this should be your, 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 uh, your heart attitude. Mom, dad, I can't be who God wants me to be apart from you in my life, calling me to do the things that sometimes I don't appreciate, and yet I know you're here for my good, and so I want to love you and obey you with joy and respect, and I want to honor you. That is pleasing to the Lord. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. 
And this can only happen in one's heart and life when you've made Jesus your Lord. And so I would appeal to every young person out there, make Jesus your Lord. Make Jesus the one you love. And that connection happens when your mom asks you to do something. And oh, don't we get asked to do things so often that we, this just seemed to be inconveniencing us? Yes, that's, that's all part of the plan and purpose. Second, a word to the parents. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Here Paul starts with a negative instruction and then he moves to a positive exhortation. But the call to fathers here in this text is in stark contrast to the norm of that day. Listen, a Roman father had absolute power over his family. He could, he could punish them as he wished. He, he could sell his children as slaves. He could, he could inflict the death penalty, penalty on his child. He, he, as it were, held the law in his own hands. And this word, this, as they're receiving this letter from Paul, the call here is, is so exactly the opposite. It's, it's a call to loving leadership, to care for, to protect, to instruct with self-control, with patience and with grace. See, if the gospel has invaded every part of your life, then surely it will make a difference in the way you parent, won't it? Won't it? If the gospel has made an impact on every part of your life, should it not make a difference in the way you parent? Now let me say to the fathers and the mothers, but in particular the fathers, beware of the desire for comfort and ease over the hard work of bringing them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Listen, children have a way of, of uh, I, I call it bumping your cup, don't they? Now what I mean by that, and I left my water bottle so I can't give you the water bottle illustration, but I'm gonna, I'm gonna pretend that I have a water bottle and the water bottle is full of water. Now, when I bump the water bottle and it's full of water, I keep doing this, what happens? What's gonna be down there on the ground? Water, right? Because there's water in the water bottle and I'm bumping it with the lid off. Oh, look at this. I love guys like this. That's, so this is kind of, I, I, I just want, I want peace in my home. King Pat wants to sit on his throne. He's worked hard all day. That little three-year-old comes up to me. He is getting under my skin. He's bumping my cup. And, and why is there water on the ground? Can anybody tell me? Because there's water in the bottle, right? See, this is the reality about us all, that God uses our spouses, God uses our children to reveal what's inside of us. See, you never sin because your child made you sin. You sin because you got sin in your heart and your child bumping you revealed what's in, already in your heart. Your spouse revealed what's already in your heart when she said something and you didn't like the way she said it. 
See, God, God in his deep love for us is at work and he's, he's, at, he's trying to reveal stuff. And, and so he's, he, this, 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 is a, this is all about fruit being manifest. In that moment when I burst out at my child and say, stop it and go do this and do this and this. In that moment, what's happening? It's revealing that there's fruit and it's not nice fruit. But the reason why that fruit is being revealed is because there's a root. If there's no root, there's never fruit. Is that true? You're looking at me strangely, but is that true? If, like, if, if, you, if you chop the roots off, you don't get an apple tree anymore, do you? But, but, but the, the reality is often we're, we're sinning against our children and there's stuff being manifested externally because internally there's things going in here. And rather than lashing out, like I think it's helpful for parents once in a while to take a time out. I take more time outs than my children. And the reason why I take time outs is because in a moment where I, I want to, I, I, don't, I don't know what I would do. I, I, I need to go aside and I need to sit there for a minute and I need to think in this moment, what just happened? And, and, and I need to say, Lord, would you search me and what was going on that made me do that? And, and I can sit there and I can say, thank you, Lord, forgive me, help me to, and I, I can go back to, to my child and I can say, buddy, when you came rushing into the room and you interrupted me and mom when we were having a conversation and you started going off, I, King Pat, stood up from my throne and I held out my scepter and said, you should eternally be damned for interrupting my life. Not quite, but you get the gist, right? In, in those moments, I can say, buddy, I, 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 wanted, I, wanted, I wanted peace and quiet. I wanted my home to be neat and tidy and you came in and you did stuff. And when you did those things, you revealed in dad what's in my heart. Listen, don't ever do this. Don't go back to your kid or your spouse and say, buddy, when you did this, um, uh, no, don't do this. Would you forgive me for this and this and this? But if you hadn't done this and this and this, I would have never responded this way. Don't ever do that. Don't ever say, but don't. It, it immediately cancels your moment of repentance and actually where the Lord has revealed something and said to you, listen, um, don't, you know, buddy, this is, I was angry. I was angry. I was proud. I was this. Would you forgive me? And, and, and that little guy go, dad, of course I forgive you. Of course I forgive you. How could I not forgive you in light of how Jesus has forgiven me? That's the end. That's the end. No, not like, buddy, but it, the problem was is you kept bumping my cup and that's why I responded. The question is, has the gospel made a difference in the way you parent? It should, it must make a, a difference in the way we parent. I was a pastor 
for nine years. I loved Jesus deeply, but I didn't understand the gospel and how the gospel was to function in my marriage and my parenting. Isn't that amazing? I was a pastor for nine years and I didn't understand the gospel. For the first nine years of my marriage, my ministry was the absolute most important thing in my life. As a matter of fact, my wife and children were often viewed as an inconvenience because they were slowing me down and taking me away from ministry. No one in those early years of ministry ever sat me down and told me that my marriage and my parenting was one of the greatest ministries that God could call me to. And while I was at a pastor's college in Gaithersburg, Maryland in 1998, I took a class on marriage and parenting. It was a two-week course, and it was intense. I read several books. I cried through every one of them. The prof opened the class with this statement. He says, you that are in this room, you're disqualified to pastor people unless you are faithfully pastoring your wife and your children. And that's the first time I felt like I heard that ever in my life. When I heard it, I wept. I asked the Lord to give me another chance at that stage in my life. My eldest was 11 and 10 and 8. And the gospel immediately began to to make a difference in my life. It began to make a difference understanding and discerning my own heart. Today, by God's grace and only by God's grace, they're walking with Jesus and they love Jesus. And I got two more batches that I'm working on now, praying for the same outcome. Listen, if the gospel is real and if it's made a profound change in you, then it must show in the way we parent. The Greek word here in this text could be used for fathers and mothers, for parents. Both parents are in view in verses 1 to 3. And I believe when it says fathers here, we could, we could interchange that with parents. But fathers, let me say this to you. The ultimate responsibility and weight is on you for your home and for what it becomes. This is why, this is why we need to cling to Jesus. This is why we need to be intentional with our own hearts, busy at home in our own hearts. This is why we can't check out. This is why we need to love the gospel and teach the gospel to our families and to our children. So Paul moves from negative instruction, don't provoke your children, And this, this negative instruction is, is don't misuse your authority by, by making unreasonable or irritable demands in your children. Don't provoke them. Don't exasperate them. Don't instigate or incite something. This, this, this idea is like, is like pushing your kids' buttons or trying to get under their skin. I know, I, I told my wife two weeks ago, I did that with my 16-year-old. I was absolutely picking a fight and exasperating my 16-year-old. 
And for the sake of time, um, we don't have time, but you have a link in your handout or online there, and, and it's from the TGC website on how to exasperate your children. I'm sure you're dying to read that, um, but there's some great things in there. One of them is bullying. Parents are generally bigger, stronger, more intelligent than their kids. Combined with the authority of parenting, this could be wielded with harsh and intimidating words that greatly discourage children. Others are showing favoritism or questioning their salvation every time they mess up. There's some great stuff in there. I would, I would strongly encourage you to go and read this post. You are the parent because you are supposed to be more mature than the child. The one who is intentionally loving them and helping them know Christ and reach their full potential as a child of God. That is your role. Each and every one of our children are different. Would you say amen to that? And I am a very slow learner. They, they, have, they each have their own personality. Our job as parents is to be mindful of that and to help them be who God's called them to be without, without stomping on their personality, allowing them to be themselves, but always trying to point them to Jesus. After the negative instruction of don't provoke your children to anger, we read, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Lordship is in view here. Lordship is at the center. Bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. I would, I would want to say to parents this morning, is Jesus Lord of your life? Mom, dad, is Jesus Lord of your life? And does it show? If I was to take your children this morning and, and go inside in the lobby and say, could I have... 10 minutes with your children and the first question that I ask them, I said, tell me about your mom and dad. What are they most passionate about? What would your children say? What would your children say if I was to ask them, what are your mom and dad most passionate about? Would they say, they, would, they, would it just burst out of their mouth, Jesus? I'm, I'm pretty sure my parents are most passionate about Jesus and his kingdom. Jesus is definitely seated on the throne of their hearts without rival. Listen, parents, we should be more concerned, more aware, more concerned about our children's relationship with Jesus than we should be anything else. More concerned about our children's relationship with Jesus than anything else. More than their health, more than their intellectual brilliance, more than material prosperity, more than social position. We want them to know Jesus more than protecting them from sorrow and struggle and pain. See, the thought behind bringing them up is that we're to nourish them, we're to feed them, we're to intentionally care for their every need with an end goal. And this is the end goal, that they find their place and their significance in Jesus Christ alone. That they would grow up knowing that everything in their life is to be centered around Jesus. Listen, from the, the littlest toy to the greatest crisis in their moment, every moment is a teaching moment. Every moment is a gospel moment. We're constantly pointing them. We're saying, apart from Jesus, we have nothing. I, I love taking walks with my, my 10 and my 8 and my, my 3 and say, we, we do nature walks and say, buddy, can you see this? God could have made just one tree just one tree, let's say that tree, that's what we get, and it's everywhere. I, there's a movie about that, isn't there? 
it's a kid's movie. I don't even know what it's called. Horton, here's a who or what a, that's not what it is. Anyways, but look at, look at, look, just look around us. Look at the trees. I mean, unbelievable. What a teaching moment. I say, buddy, we're walking down. I say, can you believe this? Can you look at God? God made all this and he made all this to tell us that he's big and he's glorious and he's worthy of our lives to, to live for him and to worship him. Bring up your children so that they, they know that the path of sin, even though there might be those who are cool walking on it, that path leads to destruction. Bring up your children observing in you that Jesus is better than anything else. Bring up your children with this, with this ache in your soul that you long to be with Jesus and they know that you're anticipating Jesus' return. We proclaim Christ is Lord to them and we demonstrate Christ is Lord to them. Our lives tell a story and that story is about Jesus being a great savior. Every night I get to pray with my kids before they go to bed. And every night I take my three-year-old up to his bed and he reaches through his, his crib and he grabs my pant leg and I pray and I say Jesus thank you thank you for being a great savior thank you Jesus that you died in my place and Blazy's place for our sin Thank you, Jesus, that you were the only one. You came as a babe and you were born just like us and you were the only human being ever to live a perfect life. He doesn't understand half, I don't think he understands most of what I'm saying. Jesus, and then, although you were perfect, you were, you were killed, you were crucified, you were hung on a cross on a th third day after Jesus, when you died on the cross, you died to bear the weight of dad's sins and Blaze's sins. And Jesus, you rose on the third day and you are seated as king over everything. And Jesus, would you be dad's king and would you be Blaze's king and would we love you all the days of our life? I pray when I... I'm, my head, hand is on his head and I say, Jesus, that Blaze would know the love of Christ and that love of Christ would motivate him to live for Jesus every day of his life. I pray that prayer with my eight and my 10-year-old. I pray, I, I, wanna, I wanna both proclaim the gospel and I wanna live the gospel. I wanna model the gospel in such a way that my kids are getting it and they're seeing that Jesus is better than anything else. Listen, I love the message paraphrase this verse, bring them up in the instruction of the Lord. It says, take them by the hand and lead them in the way of the master. I love that. Our, our job is to take our children by the hands and lead them in the way of the master. Now, this is going to require discipline at times and other times instruction. And discipline and instruction is, is not for personal gratification. It's, it's not so that people can pat you on the back and congratulate you and go, oh, you have such lovely children. 
No, it's not for that. It's, it's about laying foundations. It's about preparing their heart for what's ahead. It's about that, that they would see that Jesus is, is worth everything. Discipline and train is necessary that they may be taught the ways of the Lord so that when they're old, they will not depart from it. Proverbs 22, 6. See, the reason we do all we do in parenting is because we are com compelled by a vision and that vision is the glory of God. The Westminster Catechism says it this way, what is the chief end of man? We know the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. What we want more than anything else, yes, your children are involved in sports, wonderful. Your children are involved in this club and doing this and doing this. But ultimately, what we want to say more than anything else is teach them is that your chief end is to glorify Jesus. You watch it, you see it in my life, and I want to model it, I want to demonstrate it, I want to proclaim it, that you would live your life in all the days of your life glorifying God because that is your chief end. And in enjoying him forever. I close with a final word because I know if you're like me, often when you hear a message like this, you're sitting under a cloud or a weight of like, oh my goodness, I have not done what I should be doing. Maybe as a, as a teen you're thinking or as a child you're thinking, man, I've been blowing off my parents or you're a parent, you're thinking, I've been harsh, I've been saying far too many. Maybe this would be a great time to, to apply the gospel and, and get together and say, dad, would you forgive me? Or son, would you forgive me? And, this, and, and rather than saying, but... Rather than that, maybe you ask the Lord to search your heart and say, this is why I was angry at you because of the stuff that's in my heart and, and be specific in your confession. But more than, than that, we need, to, we need to soak in the good of the gospel this morning. We need to be reminded of the good news of the gospel. I was reading this week in 1 Thessalonians 5 and chapter verse 23, it says, now may the God of peace sanctify you and I pray God your whole spirit, soul and body be preserved blameless to the coming of the Lord. And, and then we read this word uh, in 1 Thessalonians 5, 24, he who calls you is faithful and he will surely do it. I love that. That's the good news. That's the hope that we have of the gospel. If God calls you, he, he's called you his child. He's brought you into his family. He's called you to parent. He is faithful. He will surely do it. And, and we run this race, as Hebrews tells us, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith. And if you're weary, if you're burnt out, if you're if you kind of feel like I just need a break, there's, this, this whole parenting thing has just got to me. Hear the words of Jesus this morning from Matthew 11. Come to me, all who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. Let's pray. Father, we, we do pray. We pray this morning that that we would see you afresh and that we would be mesmerized and amazed by who you are and what you've done for us. Lord, condemnation is not from you, but conviction is a sin. So where conviction is necessary, where repentance is necessary, I pray that that would be here this morning. But I pray let there be no condemnation. 
Let there be only the desire to soak in the good of the gospel and remember the deep, deep love of Jesus for us and let that love of Jesus motivate us to want to be a better mom or dad or a better child. Oh, we ask you to do that. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information about Midtown, please go to mtownchurch.ca. Thank you.